Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Is a nurse's strike now inevitable? Thousands of healthcare workers are warning of possible strike action. Nurses are a vital part of our healthcare system. A system they say is now so broken that they can no longer keep patients safe. We're demoralised, we're exhausted, we're fed up and now I think people are actually deeply, deeply worried for our patients. They're the frontline workers caring for the sick and injured in our hospitals. But it's a profession in crisis. Struggling to cope with extreme pressures and waiting lists so long they're meaningless. We know that waiting lists are incredibly high at the moment and there's a big concern of how we're going to manage things when one in three nursing staff want to quit. A resilient but exhausted workforce has meant absentee rates have doubled at the hospital. I lost really good nurses, but they just couldn't take it anymore. In this episode of The Bell Tale, we ask why nurses are leaving the profession. What needs to be done to fix the NHS in Northern Ireland? and our politicians failing the sick. Joining me to discuss these huge issues which affect each and every one of us are Conor McDowell, a lead nurse, Rita Devlin, who's a nurse and the director of the Royal College of Nursing in Northern Ireland, and Lisa Smith, the Belfast Telegraph's health correspondent. Conor, can I start with you as a nurse? Can you describe what the last three years have been like for you and your colleagues? Over the last couple of years, certainly since COVID, um, it's been probably the most difficult uh, period that I've experienced as a nurse. I've been a nurse for 12 years. um, And since COVID, the health service has completely changed. Um, And it's not the health service that I recognise from two to three years ago. Um, We've definitely noticed uh, an increase um, in the amount of vacancies that each area have um, and nurses leaving the NHS to take up positions um, in other industries, leaving the nursing profession um, and certainly leaving the NHS to go and work um, in agencies where they pay more money. And that obviously leaves uh, wards, departments and community settings short of registered nurses. I'm making no bones about it. Nurses keep people safe and they stop people dying. And when we don't have that critical resource and that safety resource, then that puts our patients at risk. So the conditions that nurses are working in, the nurses that remain, are just so different than what they were two years ago. For the worse, obviously. For much it, to the worse. Yes, definitely. Just, I mean, I mean, I as a nurse feel it. The nurses that work on the floor feel it every day, but you don't need to be a nurse to feel it. 
every one of our colleagues that rely on the nursing profession feel it and you just need to go into an emergency department in any hospital in Northern Ireland and you'll see it for yourself. I mean, people are waiting longer to be admitted to wards. They're waiting on trolleys for very prolonged periods of time, you know, and, and people just can't get into the bed that they need um, at the time that they need it to be looked after by the people that they need to look after them. So our emergency departments are, are overcrowded um, with patients um, and they aren't functioning as emergency departments because they are departments that have 65 plus people waiting on trolleys to go to wards and that in essence is three additional wards in an emergency department. Lisa, can I bring you in just as our health correspondent? None of this will be news to you. No, no, I've been covering this for a number of years now. I mean, we had strike action already in 2019, 2020, and that was because of the the conditions and, and obviously the, the issues around pay and, and staffing levels at that stage. Um, we knew then, and, and, you know, I was reporting at that stage that the health service was really struggling to cope with demand, that patients were coming to harm. The RCN was telling us then at that stage in 2019, 2020, the, the strike action came to an end because, you know, there were... They reached a deal with with the government and there were a lot of promises made. Now, some work has been moved on that since then, but obviously we've had COVID, so attention has shifted slightly. And we've also had, um, you know, we we don't have an assembly in place now at the moment either. So that has halted a lot of progress in addressing the issues that nurses have. Um, and, And the system has really, really declined since 2019, 2020, and it's difficult to imagine that because the system was in such poor shape then, but really that is the case. And Rita, would you concur with that? What what are pay and, and working conditions like for, you, for your members? Um, I would absolutely concur. And I suppose I can't explain the sense of frustration that we as the Royal College of Nursing have um, in terms of where we find ourselves today. I think we telegraphed it and, and Lisa said that we telegraphed it 10 years ago that we were going to end up in this position. Um, we have raised and escalated concerns um, consistently with the Department of Health, um, with with whoever would listen. And yet... We are, I suppose, and our nurses are presiding over a system that is absolutely broken. And the people who are suffering are the patients, as well as the nurses and the other healthcare staff. Um, And I, I suppose, get frustrated and don't understand why our public are putting up with the service that they're putting up with. Because it is unacceptable on every level the way that our public are being treated with regards to their health, well-being and welfare. I was just going to say, I think, you know, when we have an issue with nursing numbers, it impacts on the whole system. So whenever you hear about people waiting for hours for an ambulance or even dying on the street because they can't get an ambulance, that's Yes, there's issues within the Northern Ireland Ambulance Service and they have shortages of paramedics and things like that, which which cause problems. But it's also indicative of issues inside the hospital. You can't get patients out of your ambulance into an ED. You can't get patients 
you know, from the ED on to wards because there's a shortage of nurses and that causes the backlog. You know, with our ambulance service, if patients um, can't get their operations because we don't have enough nurses, that you know, causes pressures on the GP system because patients are then going to their to their GP to get treatment for conditions that they're waiting for these operations. So the shortage of nurses just isn't an issue in the wards. It, it goes right across the system. And Connor, during COVID, people were encouraged to go out and clap on the street for the NHS and there were banners up, etc. And, you know, people were encouraged to see the NHS as something which belonged to them as a group of people who were making great sacrifices during the COVID-19 pandemic. But, and I know it's a rather emotive question, but do you think that politicians now, now it's gone the other way? Do you think they're listening at all? I think in essence, um, nurses have always had the support of the public um, and that's really important and we're very thankful for it. When it comes to our elected representatives, um, it's very difficult to see how they're listening. I mean, as Rita has said, the college has been talking about this same issue for many, many years, um, and we keep going around in circles with it. The difference is now is that our hospitals are not what they were. The vacancy rates continue to increase, and that inevitably puts people, our patients, the public, um, and us as nurses at risk. So it's very, very hard to see that they're listening whenever we're not seeing any action from that. Um, And I suppose my message to them would be, as it always is, is to listen to what the nurses are telling you and to listen to what we're, we're asking, listen to the college. The college, you know, is the voice of nursing in Northern Ireland and it represents the nursing profession. And we're asking that politicians listen to us and we've been asking that they listen to us. And like I say, it's very, very difficult to see that they are whenever we're not seeing any action. And just, I don't know to whom to address this question, but I mean, I suppose to the public, they might ask themselves, you know, is this still a good job? I mean, where where does this lack of nurses come from? Is it people leaving the profession? Is it not enough people being trained to go into the profession? Is it a combination of both? Or, 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 or is it that the number of tasks to do have expanded? Could someone... I suppose the first thing I would say is that we still have more people who apply for nursing posts, student nurse posts, than than we have positions for them. So recruitment into the profession um, from a student nurse point of view is not an issue for us at this current point in time. Our biggest problem is retention. Um, So we're finding now we're, we're losing a good number of nurses sort of year two, year three, when the uh, maybe the reality of what it's like to be a nurse hits um, and the rel- unrelenting um, workload um, is, is never ending. Uh, so recruit- retention of that group. We also have a group of nurses who previously may have stayed until they were 60 are now leaving at 55 because they are just burnt out exhausted. I think COVID really took its toll on on our nurses. Um, They were moved from pillar to post to fill vacancies. They saw things they never expected to ever see in their lifetime. Um, They saw, you know, wards where five, six, seven, eight patients died in one day. 
Um, they they witnessed uh, patients being left because their family couldn't come to visit them and they witnessed patients dying on their own and they were the support. Uh, that is a huge psychological toll. You know, we know nurses don't come into nursing for the money. Um, they come in because it's a job they want to do, but they still have to pay their bills. So if the nurses were allowed to be the nurses that they want to be and there was safe staffing, there was full staffing and they could do nursing the way they should be doing nursing, I think um, you would see a completely different picture. But the problem is they can't do what they want to do. They can't deliver care to the standard they want to deliver it. They are constantly cutting corners. They are constantly leaving patients with care undone because there's not enough of them. Uh, and re so retention is our biggest problem. Nursing is about caring. It, it's a physical job. You clearly, anybody who's visited a uh, hospital, see the, the technical skills that it's necessary to use an awful lot of equipment uh, and different machines and the scientific knowledge on top of that. And of course, the responsibility. If I make a mistake in this job, I look a bit of an agent, but no one no one's going to be harmed by that. So it does seem to be a huge job for, for the money available. Connor, you wanted to come in there. I just wanted to say a couple of points that you raised there. You asked, is it still a good job? I can only answer that in my opinion, and I think it's the best job in the world. And it's afforded me some of the best opportunities in my life. And I've been able to travel around the world with it. Um, and I think the majority of nurses will feel the same. Um, you also said about tasks. Is there too many tasks to do? There is lots of tasks to do. But what I will say is that we are not a task-orientated profession and that the skills that we do and procure are are skills that, like you said, could mean a difference between life and death. So these nurses, our nurses, your nurses on the front line that are working every day are making decisions that are quite literally the difference between someone being well and not and someone dying. And whilst we do lots of tasks, all of those tasks have thought put into them. You know, they have to be assessed and, you know, the difference between task orientation and nurses today are they're educated professionals. You know, they're degree holders, they're a graduate entry profession. So there is lots more to the nurses that you see on the floor than, than someone carrying out tasks. And whilst those tasks are fundamental and important, um, you know, there is lots going on behind the scenes that the public don't see. You've never considered leaving, Connor? Never. Rita, Connor said... And, and you've indicated that you feel you're not being listened to. Now, whenever a group of people, a group of workers feel in, in, in the public service, in the industri in industry, where they're not being listened to, the ultimate action they can take is strike action. Is that, is that on the cards? Is that on the table? So, as you know, we are in the process of balloting our members for industrial action. We, we didn't do this lightly. We, we thought long and hard uh, and it is across the four countries now where in 2019 it was just Northern Ireland because we were out of step with pay. This is a, this is a four country ballot of nurses uh, to ask our nursing staff, our members, if they are prepared to take industrial action on two issues. The first issue is on the pay um, and the fact that the government had, have offered the equivalent of £27 a week. So that's what has been offered. And if you think after that increase, a band five nurse who is looking after the very sick 
complex patients will be on about £13.40 an hour. That's what they'll be um, earning after the increase. If we don't do something about nurses' pay, we will not be able to retain our nurses and we are losing them to agency. And the difficulty for us is when you are very reliant on a agency workforce, we have a, a loss of team, we have a loss of camaraderie, we have a loss of that, I suppose, shared value base, that shared vision for the, the, the type of care you want to deliver on your ward. And I know as a ward sister, the important thing for me was that I was able to um, get my team together and we all agreed on the, the vision um, and the standard of care that we wanted. None of that is available if you have a workforce that is um, predominantly agency. So that's the first reason that we're looking at industrial action. So the second reason we're looking uh, to, to go and um, asking our members about balloting for industrial action is about safe staffing. We do not have safe staffing anywhere in the UK at the minute. There are not enough nurses. We need the government to listen. They may say they're listening, but they're not hearing. And that's the problem. And if they had have acted when we to when we started raising the issues 10 years ago, we would not be in the position we're in now. So this is about, this is, I suppose, the last step in our ability to, to speak to government and to tell them they need to do something fundamental to fix nursing in the UK. Well, what do you think are the chances of an agreement being reached with the Department of Health in Northern Ireland that could stave off any industrial action? Um, Lisa, I suppose I'm concerned that if you look at the pay award that is being given in, in England, it isn't funded by the Treasury. So the Treasury have only funded a certain amount of that pay award. It's not enough. Um, and our difficulties are that if we go to the Department of Health here in Northern Ireland, w what they'll say to us basically is, yeah, we'd love to give you X, but we don't have the money to give you X because it, it hasn't come from the Treasury. So one of the, the reasons that we are, you know, working together as a four country UK is to try to put some pressure on the Treasury uh, and try to get um, nursing pay right on that agenda of um, Westminster. Here in Northern Ireland, um, we, as you know, we have no executive. So in England and Wales, at the end of September, the nurses will get the pay award. It's not enough and we don't think it's enough, but they will get it. In Northern Ireland, we will get nothing. So we won't even get the pay award that we think is not correct, we will get nothing. So in September, we go out of pay parity with England and Wales again, which we were promised wouldn't happen. So we're back out of pay parity with, with the other two countries um, and we, we, we're not prepared to sit back and let that happen in Northern Ireland. Um, there is some work being done and I am working with the Department of Health on safe staffing. The problem with safe staffing is there is no quick fix. It takes three years to train a nurse. Um, we had, if you remember, as part of our um, ask in the last industrial action that we increased the number of student nurses, which we, which we, we achieved. And they, there was an extra 300 nurses for each year from 
2019 to 2020, the first of that extra numbers come out uh, this year in September. However, we also know there has been a massive increase in nurses looking at information about retiring. So we may not even have enough joiners to make up for the for the people that are going to be leaving the, the um, profession. So there are there is work ongoing. Um, the minister did uh, as part of the the agreement sign a safe staffing framework. Well, actually, the executive signed it off, and there are pieces of work that are ongoing. Uh, one of them is looking at safe staffing legislation, which means it will be put in law that there must be safe staffing within the health service. Um, but again, we can't get any legislation if we don't have an executive. So whilst our problems are the same as England and Wales and Scotland, our ability to deal with them is absolutely impacted on by the fact that we have nobody who can make a decision. Um, the health service needs total transformation. Nobody will make a decision about that. We are told that there is no budget for the health service this year. Um, all they will be allowed to spend is 95% of last year's budget. If you think that the need for health increases by 6% at least every year, not only are we only going to have 95% of last year's budget, we also have the extra 6% need on top of that. So we are in a position in Northern Ireland, which is, in my view, totally unacceptable. And I don't understand why the public are not up in arms about their health service. Talking about pay parity and the fact that we, you know, we're going to break pay parity again. Rita, Connor, is that going to be a big enough issue? I mean, how strong is the resolve? How how annoyed are members over this this happening again? <laughs> um, I don't think I can put it into words about how our membership feel. I have never ever seen such a motivated workforce to take action. Nurses have simply had enough and I cannot put that any more clear. As a senior manager in the health service, I am seeing the impact of not being able to provide services because we simply don't have the nurses to do it. And we will not recruit those nurses unless we pay them appropriately for the safety critical workforce that they deliver every single day. I mean, nurses are saying it. We pay millions on expert reviews and opinions every single year, every single time there's there's a report needed. But the experts are the nurses and the doctors who are on the floor every day and they're telling you our services are not safe. But they're not only telling you that, they're now saying we're no longer prepared to stay and do it anymore. And nurses are leaving because there are better opportunities for them in private industry with agencies and far afield by countries such as Australia who will give them the work-life balance that they want and remunerate them for the profession that they're in, remunerate them for being nurses because they're critical and they see that. So, I mean, my message is very clear. Nurses have had enough and, and, and we are prepared to take action. I have absolutely every faith that we will be taking industrial action and that we will achieve what we need to strike because nurses have simply had enough and they've said it loud and clear. How soon could we see nurses out on the streets? So um, we had to um, postpone or delay the ballot um, due to the death of the Queen, um, just out of um, courtesy and consideration as the Queen was the patron 
of the Royal College of Nursing. So the ballot has been slightly delayed, but there is no doubt about it. It will be ramped up as soon as we um, come out of this period of mourning. And um, we are very clear. So the ballot will be open for four weeks and I expect we will probably be taking action around mid-December. And will that be up to and including strike action then? There is only one question on the ballot paper. Are you prepared to take strike action? If I could just come in there and say, just from an earlier point about how nurses feel about industrial action and so on, just to give some narrative. In 2019, I was having discussions with colleagues about strike and what it would look like and what it would mean. And a lot of my colleagues said, I'm a nurse, we don't strike. The Nurse Midwifery Council has told our members, has told nurses that it is your legal right to strike as long as it's legal. And those colleagues that were having those conversations with me in 2019 are now colleagues that have said, I didn't do it in 2019 and I wouldn't have, but I'll do it this time. So there has been a massive shift since 2019 in how our members feel. And that is purely because of how they've been treated and the expectation of them. Presumably as well, you've made reference to that. that there's a chance that this could all be impacting on their registration too. Isn't, isn't that correct? If the patients are coming to harm because the system isn't running the way that it should. So nurses are now having to think about their own individual registration. And while they might not want to strike, if they feel that they, as an individual and their careers are being put at risk because of the conditions in which they're working, that must be playing a, a, you know, a role in, in, in all of this. So some people talk to us about, you know, how can you, how can nurses go out and strike? It's not safe. My uh, words to them is it's not safe at the minute. It's absolutely not safe at the minute. Um, and when we take strike action, as we proved in 2019 um, and 2020, we will have patient safety at the forefront of any and all arrangements for industrial action. So what we do um, in order to keep patients safe is that we will derogate um, some staff to work. So de to derogate means we will exempt them. So say, for example, if Connor voted to strike, um, we would go to Connor and we would say, Connor, we need you to work today to keep the patient safe. So you are derogated to work um, for a pa from a patient safety point of view, which means that Connor is still supporting the strike absolutely 100% supporting the strike but he is derogated to work to enable us to deliver safety within our industrial action. Just going back to your um, question Lisa, the one thing I, I've been called recently to meetings within um, some departments, within some of our trusts and the one thing the nurses are, they're pleading with me uh, what can we do? We are absolutely at the end of our tether. We don't know what else to do because our patients aren't safe and we can't keep them safe. And they're pleading with me. And the one thing they say is we are going to lose our registration because if a patient comes to harm, what systems do is they look for the person to blame. And so if it was Connor, for example, that was the last person to have been with that patient, etc., it would be what has Connor done wrong? We're very clear. Connor is working in a broken system and Connor can only do so much to keep patients safe. And we have raised and escalated our concerns to anybody and everybody who will listen. And I mean everybody in Northern Ireland who has accountability or responsibility for the, the health service. We have raised in writing 
and escalated our concerns on behalf of our members. So currently the person who I suppose in theory has responsibility is, is the current health minister, Robin Swan. Um, can he do something about this or do we now need Westminster to move on? Because of course there is no function of Stormont Executive and we don't know if there ever will be. So what I would say about the health minister was in, in 2020 when we when we agreed to cease strike action, uh, it was because the minister on behalf of the executive had signed a, a deal with us, which yes, was pay parity, but looked at development of a safe staffing framework for nursing. And it included a number of things. It included things like the extra students. It included things like... Um, you know, a career pathway, career progression, because we had the highest number of people in the lowest bands in nursing and the lowest number of people in the highest bands compared to any other profession. Uh, And that was totally unacceptable to us. So we had agreement on a lot of things with the minister. um, And he, I, I think, absolutely believed, I suppose, in our quest for better for nurses. Um, COVID came, everything was put on hold. As we know, it was about survival and getting through the the absolute COVID period. Um, we come out the other end, everything is slowed. Everything is, you know, um, impacted on by COVID. And that includes the delivery of the safe staff and framework by the minister. When we speak to the minister now, he is absolutely sympathetic. He absolutely does listen. Um, and is very respectful to to the RCN, I have to say, and and um, is always available if we want to speak to him. But what he would tell us now is he can't make change because there's no executive. He has got no budget. Um, all he can try to do at the minute is business as usual. Um, and as I say, there is work ongoing in the background in terms of the safe staff and and you know, the college is right at the forefront of trying to make that happen. But we have argued long and hard with the Department of Health about this whole idea of, you know, it seems to me at times they're penny wise and pound foolish. So they don't see the value in investing in nurses and nurses pay. And yet at the same time, they're paying out millions in agency fees to try to get enough nurses to look after the patients and you know if you ran your house like that you would be on the streets in no time so I I, I struggle at times to understand why um, the, why the healthcare professionals are not listened to you know it's not just ourselves obviously it's the other healthcare professionals as well but we're here to speak about nursing um, but it just seems to me that there is this lack of joined up thinking about how we make improvements in the healthcare system in Northern Ireland Um, and and we would say ask our nurses ask the people who work on the floor they know what works they know what doesn't they would know how to fix things but we we are surrounded by, by people making decisions who don't have a background in health who don't understand health who don't understand how things work who absolutely don't understand patients and if there's one thing that nurses know nurses know patients and nurses know what patients want and nurses know what patients need and nurses know what works for patients and what doesn't
Given that Robin Swan appears to be so hamstrung, the fact that we don't have an executive, what role does our Secretary of State have now in putting some pressure on our on our politicians to get back to the Assembly and start fixing our health service? Well, it's, it's an interesting question because the last time the Secretary of State, who was Julian Smith, as you know, um, said that it was a matter for the Department of Health. And um, I don't see that we're going to have a different message this time. So we are kind of left in a situation where it's like every door that you go to to try to get help is closed um, or it's half open. But it's half open to say, mm, hear what you're saying, but really there's nothing we can do about it. Every door we go to and it just feels, I, I just don't understand. And, and I'm not naive, I'm not politically naive, but I don't understand how we have got to this position in Northern Ireland where we are left once again with no function in assembly with nobody making decisions, with no health budget, with nobody wanting to take any responsibility for anything. Um, and we are left, I suppose, adrift. I, f I feel that the health service in Northern Ireland is, has been left adrift. And if you ask any of our royal, our other Royal College colleagues, um, the surgeons and the GPs and um, the, the physicians, they'll tell you exactly the same thing. Where do we go? Who is going to help us deliver the health service that we should be delivering uh, to the patients who deserve it? Um, where, where, where is it going to end? We are now stuck in some kind of awful limbo land um, where we can do absolutely nothing except try to put sticking plasters over absolutely gaping wounds um, in the hope that somebody will come along and rescue us. Lisa, Rita, Connor, thank you. This episode of The Bell Tale was produced by myself, Kieran Dunbar, sound design by Graham Davidson. The clips were from the Royal College of Nursing, the BBC, Channel 4 and Sky. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.